You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, today is Chicago Bears Day. We're just going to talk about the Bears in a very professional and straightforward way. Going to try to be as unbiased as I possibly can, but that's hard to do when you're talking about the Chicago Bears. You know how it is. But we might as well just launch into it. Super tired, got a ton of stuff to do, and yesterday it took me like three hours to do the podcast because I was so... Nobody was home. That's the, that's the problem. It's always like, man, nobody's home. I'm going to be able to like get the podcast done and just relax. I got to do nothing yesterday. I spent the whole time muddling through the podcast. <laughs> and I can't do that today. I got deadlines. I need deadlines, man. Gotta have them. Otherwise, I just... Any open time is just time I'm just going to waste. I don't know what my problem is. I'm, I don't, I don't know. But why don't we start with the injury report? Always a good place to start um, because it's important information, but also because as I go through things, hopefully I'll remember. You don't need to talk about that guy. He's on IR. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, as far as the Green Bay Packers, let's see what we've got in terms of changes. Doesn't look like much of anything. Uh, Dennis Kelly and Kevin King still not participating. Obviously, Kevin King is sort of the biggest what the heck is going on here thing in that group. Um, Mercedes Lewis got his veteran rest and whatnot. Josh Myers, still full participation. Vernon Scott, full participation. He was limited yesterday or two days ago for you, whatever. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, it's looking pretty good. Elton Jenkins still limited, but still practicing. So uh, again, Josh, pretty much 100%. Elton's looking like, what, 87%? As for the Chicago Bears, uh, Jakeem Grant got added to the list. It was limited participation. He is a wide receiver for them. Uh, Akeem Hicks, defensive tackle, still not practicing uh, as of Thursday. Tight end J.P. Holtz, still not practicing, same as yesterday. Caleb Johnson, the linebacker, is still not practicing. Khalil Mack still did not practice with his foot injury. Allen Robinson, still not practicing. I know I read the article yesterday that said he kind of does this a lot. He'll play fine, but he's pretty hurt. And he's, considering he's at a slow start to the year, not a great sign that he's not practicing. Um, Otherwise, the real big news of the day, talked about the running backs a little bit yesterday, mentioned how their star running back is on IR. So it's going to be a dueling running back between Damian Williams, the hammer, and Khalil Herbert, who's kind of the slasher. Well, Damian Williams was just placed on COVID IR. Now, I don't know the severity of that. I've seen most people say that means he's not going to play. However, I have seen several people also say he may still play depending on what exactly the protocol is based on what happened and everything else. I don't really know the circumstances. But there are several people that are fairly confident that means he's just done, done, not playing. That is quite significant for a couple reasons. First of all, anytime you lose your number one and number two, um, it's not going to be super exciting. I mean, obviously, we we could if we lost our one and two, we would be upset, but then say, yeah, we still we still like our number three guy. You never know; he might be good. the The issue here, though, the the well, several significant issues. Number one is the fact that he's going to be expected to carry a heavier load than he would if this was a normal rotation. He's not built to be a twenty carry per game kind of a guy. Last uh, week, the Chicago Bears ran the ball 34 times. Compare that to the Green Bay Packers 22 times. In fact, their number two, who in this game was actually Damian Williams, uh, Khalil Herbert had more carries by two, but the guy with the second most carries, Damian Williams, had more carries than Aaron Jones did. In other words, in order from lowest to most carries would be A.J. Dillon, 
then Aaron Jones, then Damian Williams, then Khalil Herbert. So that, that, that we're kind of covering a lot of ground at once here. Number one, they want to run the ball a lot. Now, they still have Ryan Nall, who I'm assuming is going to be playing quite a bit. He hasn't touched the ball at all this year, but they'll bring him up, and that's where they'll split the carries, and they can technically still run the ball a lot. The problem is they're going to want to lean on Khalil Herbert because they like Khalil Herbert more, but he's not built for that, which means what are you going to do? You're going to lean more on Ryan Nall, which kind of brings you to the secondary issue, the the identity. And again, this is what Bears fans were saying after they beat the Raiders last week. We figured out what we need to do to win games. We got to run the ball a lot. They threw the ball 35 times, which means they basically split 50-50, running and throwing. So the game plan moving forward don't really let Justin throw a ton, run the ball a lot. Well, Damian isn't there anymore. Your number one and number two are down. There's an additional issue here, though. Receiving running backs. Damian Williams is a receiving running back. David Montgomery is a receiving running back. Khalil Herbert has not had one target this entire year. Doesn't mean he necessarily can't do it, but you're kind of losing that entire ability. So you're taking away the ability to throw to your running back. You're taking away largely your ability just to run the ball and are going to have to lean on a smaller, slashier type guy and Ryan Nall, who has had four carries in the last year and a half. I mean, this year has been zero. Last year he had four. The year before that was two. So six carries in his two and a half years with the Bears. He's been on the field 23 times. He is now the guy that has to split carries in this offense that has decided our number one way of winning football games is running the ball. Guy's ha- guy has six carries. So that causes problems for the Bears. But anyways, we'll kind of worry more about schematic things at a later time because that's more of a tomorrow thing. Just wanted to point out, dude's hurt. I think before I go through the roster, I'm going to uh, go to the questions. I asked for some Bears-specific questions, so just to make sure I get to those um, before I kind of go over everything, because then sometimes I'll just say, you know, skip the questions because I already answered it. So we'll go this way so I make sure to answer it first. Mr. Rogers says, which do you think is most critical for the Packers to beat the Bears? Rush for over 125 yards or pass for over 200? Not sure where the numbers came from, but I'm fairly confident my answer is going to be pass for over 200. Rush, you can have a good day running the ball and not crack 125. Um, Sub 200 passing is a pretty bad day. Beyond that, the Packers generally are just having a bad day overall if the Packers' passing game isn't working. That's not necessarily true of the running game. Um, Beyond that, if we look at, you know, just those numbers so far this year, um, the Packers are 0-1 when they're under 200 yards. The Packers are 2-1 and under 125 yards. They beat San Francisco rushing for 100 yards. They beat the Lions rushing for 96 yards. Their two wins were 131 and 133, so they barely have cracked that the entire year. So I'll take it, but um, if you look at passing, they're over 200 every single game with the exception of the New Orleans Saints game, 186 yards, and obviously we lost that game. Uh, conversely, the, um, Bears defense, I mean, three of the games they passed for over 200 yards. Um, two of them were wins. One of them was a loss. The Lions threw for 261 yards and lost, but the Rams threw for 312. The Browns threw for 203 and, uh, they both beat the Bears. If you look at rushing yards, uh, Cleveland ran for 215 yards. Nobody else even cracked a hundred. Um, and the Bears, uh, ended up losing, or they beat everybody except the Rams. The Rams only ran for 74 yards. So, you know, I mean, if if we kind of reframe the question, something like, would you rather have 150 yards rushing and 180 yards passing or 250 yards passing and 100 yards rushing? I would clearly take, because again, 100 yards rushing is is a good day. And um, so, yeah, I'm not, I, I would take the 200 yards passing. Goose says, how real is their defense? We know Mac is good, but what about the other edges? How do their current injuries shape our attack on them? That's a lot. I mean, the, the, the defense is good, but I want to put a little bit of context to it, and here's kind of what I want to look at. Right now, the Bears' offense is 30th, and the Bears' defense, in terms of points, is 7th. That's great, right? 7th-ranked defense is a good defense. However, there's really nothing 
unique about this defense that we haven't seen before. Um, They've given up 100 yards in the first five games. That's exactly the amount of points they gave up in 2020 is 100 yards. Um, In 2018, they gave up 96. And in 2019, they gave up 69 points. So this is no better than we've seen the last three years. So as scary as they were last year, they're no scarier than that. In fact, again, 2019, um, 69 points is all they gave up. They ended the year 8-8. Eight and eight. In fact, they started 3-2. and two. Um, They lost to the Packers, beat the Broncos, uh, the Redskins, the Vikings, and lost to the Raiders. They gave up, they were, they ended the year actually better than they are now. 29th on offense, 4th on defense. Um, they allowed far less points. And then they had their bye week six. They lost to the Saints, lost to the Chargers, lost to the Eagles, beat the Lions, lost, win, 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 loss, loss, win, right? So it was a bad season, but it was a good start. And they went from allowing about 14 points a game to about 18, 19 points a game by the end of the season. Still a good defense. Again, they ended fourth in points. They don't give up a lot of points. So is it real? Yeah, it's real. Yes, there's talent. Yes, they're stingy, especially in terms of points. They're always very stingy. But it's the same thing we've seen the last however many years. In fact, if you just go back to last year, the Bears were better in in most categories. Points given up, yards given up, a lot of different categories. So, I mean, but it was was real last year, too, and they still sucked. (laughs) The difference is I think the defense is slightly worse I think the offense is absolutely worse. As far as the other points of your question with uh, Khalil Mack and the other edges, we'll get to that uh, probably just right after the break. We'll kind of dig into the individual pieces of the defense. But um, that's sort of my overall view on it. As far as how do you attack them or whatever, that's that'll be a tomorrow thing. Drew uh, had basically the exact same question. How do you take advantage of their weaknesses? How do they take advantage of our weaknesses? I mean, look, in, in, in a very broad sense, and this is what I said on the the Bears podcast that you could have listened to, I think, on Wednesday is when it was released. I got to do another one tonight and another one tomorrow after that. A lot of really cool Bears podcasters that I've worked with. It was kind of funny. I was reading the Twitter messages between me and I'm doing. I'm working with the, the uh, Barroom Network, Buffon over there. Buffon, not Buffoon. I'm not making fun of the guy. That's his last name. But um, my first time working with them was 2019, which is just kind of funny. But if you want to attack the Packers, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you attack the offensive line, and, and they do have that ability with guys like Khalil Mack, and we'll see who's all healthy and who's not, if Hakeem plays, if Khalil plays. Um, I know the offensive line has done a good job, but I, I just think if you want to win, that's what you got to do. You have to get after Aaron Rodgers. There's no question about it. And so um, that is, I guess you could call it a weakness. Um Devontae certainly isn't, so trying to take him away, I don't I don't know that that's the best game plan. Nobody else has been able to do that um, as far as trying to attack our corners because we're weak there with who? Who are you going to attack with? I guess just try to feed Mooney all day long, but I don't know, man. I think the Bears are going to win with defense if they're going to win, and uh, the biggest thing is is getting after Aaron Rodgers. That's, that's, that's your only hope, in my opinion. How do we take advantage of their weaknesses? I mean, they, they have a lot of them attack their offensive line, attack their quarterback because he's young and inexperienced. You get in his face, you cause him to be uncomfortable, you force some turnover. Shut down the run game because you attack their offensive line and the weakness they have now at running back. Attack their corners because they're relatively young and inexperienced. Again, we'll get into the specifics in a little bit, but um, those are matchups that we should win. So there's a lot of them. But at the end of the day, it all just comes down to execution. The Bears can win, they just have to execute their plan. The Packers should win because they have a lot more plans and and avenues of winning. But it still comes down to execution. If they can't win against their corners, right, you don't don't win. So Mike says, how about a deep PFF dive on fields? I know you've touched on it a bit, but let's get into the weeds. I will do that probably first and foremost, because that's the most interesting thing to look at. We'll do it right after the break. But I want to get to Jason's question. We'll take a break, and then I'm going to answer your question, Mike, which is digging into fields. Jason says, you're taking your kiddos on their very first camping trip. Who do you hire as your head coach? Smokey or Yogi and why? I don't know why I need a coach (laughs) to go camping, but the obvious answer is Yogi. Yogi literally has campgrounds. I I know because I used to go to Yogi Bear's campground all the time as a kid. We'd drive up from Illinois into Wisconsin, go to Yogi Bear's campground. Smokey's just 
a little narc. You know, he's like, don't, don't light fires. Like, dude, I want to do a bonfire. No, fire. There's going to be a fire. He's starting a fire. He's going to put out the bonfire all the time. He's going to be the worst person in the world to hang out with. Oh, he's gonna, and he's going to be lecturing us about, did you know? Yeah, dude, I know. I know. I want a marshmallow to be burnt. Shut it. You can prevent forest fires. Smokey, I swear, I know you're a bear, but I'm going to smack you. Yogi's just like, he doesn't care, dude. He just wants to hang out. He wants to eat some food. He would totally get down on some s'mores. And he's got some fun campgrounds. So that was an easy one. But anyways, again, I want to take a break here because once we get on the other side of the break, we're just going through their roster, looking at their players, and uh, that's all we're going to do. And I don't want any more interruptions. I don't know if I mentioned it, by the way, 260 patrons, which was the goal for this month. So thank you guys very much for getting us back to that. I think we were up to 262. We lost like 10 patrons, (laughs) literally, and uh, we fought our way back to 260. So I appreciate that. If anybody else would like to support this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Um, I do release these the night before. Unless I do it in the morning, then I just release it when I release it. But uh, most of the time I do it the night before so you can get the podcast early and ad-free. Plus, again, you get in on the questions and the polls and all that kind of stuff. I try to make everything, especially since there's so many people in here now, everything through Patreon. And again, it's just a buck. If you want to hang out and have a good time and party and everything else with us, I don't know when we party, but we might party. You know, you don't know what we do in here. You don't know. You ever been in here? You don't know. You don't know. But it's just a buck. You should come hang out. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, as promised, let's go through some of this. I would look at overall grades, but it's just going to make people angry. Um, for example, PFF has the Bears defense ranked 28th. So <laughs> I just, you know, we'll leave it alone. We'll just, we'll leave it alone. Packers 12th. Um, all right, so as I said, we'll start off with um, the passing of Mr. Justin Fields. Well, I guess we'll just look at Justin Fields, doesn't it? Because uh, a lot of people are very concerned with his rushing ability. You, <laughs> If you want to know how mad 
it's it's not surprising that Bears fans were really 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 mad at me today. Or it wasn't even me. I was just throwing my two cents in. Somebody else mentioned PFF, and a Bears fan lost it. I'm starting to understand why PFF seemingly hates the Bears. I think that's what it is. First of all, I gave you that little nugget about defense. Um, as far as grades for the quarterbacks, Andy Dalton 80, Justin Fields 54. Running grade though, this is this is the thing. Again, I'm, I, we'll get the grades out of it. We'll do stats. I know we'll, we're going to do stats, but the grades make it funnier. Rushing grade from Andy Dalton 89, Justin Fields. 59. <laughs> it just makes me happy, man. It makes Bears fans really angry, and that makes me happy. But anyways, um, looking at the statistics of Justin Fields so far this year, he has played in all five games, 93 total dropbacks, 72 attempts, 37 completions, which is a 51.4% completion rate, which is not good. He has passed for 458 yards, which is 6.4 average, one touchdown and two interceptions. We'll kind of get into where he ranks with all the other quarterbacks. I won't do that with everybody, but I'll do that with Justin Fields in a minute, but I just want to rip through these. He does have seven big-time throws, which is 8.8%, which is shockingly high. He also has three turnover-worthy plays at 3% of his passes being turnover-worthy plays. Um, His average depth of target is around 10 yards compared to Andy Dalton's 4.6, which again is pretty shocking. Um, only one of his passes has been dropped. Just want to get out in front of that for any Bears fan that's like, well, if his receivers could catch, just in case those are out there. I haven't seen it. I'm just saying, if it's out there, don't try it. Um, average time to throw, which is probably, again, part of the reason why there are more pressures and sacks and whatnot on Justin Fields. For Andy Dalton, he was getting the ball out in 2.48 seconds. Justin Fields, 2.85 seconds. NFL passer rating for Andy Dalton, 84.6. For Justin Fields, 64.5. Now, it's hard to put some of this into context because when you look at Justin Fields, you're looking at a guy that hasn't played the entire year. So looking at like total yards doesn't really make a lot of sense. However, you can look at per attempt, per game type of stats. For example, Justin Fields. Well, let's just look at it this way. If we look at yards per attempt, dead last is Jacoby Brissett at 5.4. Tied with him is Andy Dalton at 5.4. After Andy Dalton is Justin Fields. So out of 34 quarterbacks, Justin Fields is 33, Andy Dalton is 34. Literally, if Jacoby Brissett wasn't on this list, they would be last and second last on the list as far as yards per attempt. Aaron Rodgers, for reference, 7.6. Interesting little nugget here, because I wanted to see if there's anybody else that has more interceptions than they have touchdowns like Justin Fields has. And as I'm looking at this, I only see two guys that fit, I'm just going through one more time, fit that qualification, and it's Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Through all, th- There's only three, and all three of them are rookies this year. What a rough start for the rookies. But anyways, um, big-time throw percentage, Justin Fields is actually second highest behind Russell Wilson, so he's letting it rip. Um, I have seen a couple, but I must have missed several. And I, that has happened a couple times, by the way. I know that there have been times where people are like freaking out about something Justin Fields did and I'm not either in the room or I'm not home yet or whatever the case is. And then I watch and things kind of fall apart. So maybe I'm just missing all the really good stuff. And obviously he's done something because seven big time throws um, just in terms of total quantity puts him at about the halfway point. Um, Considering he's only started like two games, that's pretty impressive. For reference, Aaron Rodgers is at 5.8%. Uh, big-time throws. As far as turnover-worthy plays, Justin Fields, as I said, is at 3%. Kind of puts him about the halfway mark at 14th, tied with Trey Lance. Actually, I had that backwards. It was 14th worst. He's tied with Trey Lance at 21st, 3% of his passes being turnover-worthy plays. Um, Aaron Rodgers, again, for reference, just slightly lower than that at 2.7%. By the way, if you look at adjusted completion percentage, we looked at his, um, well, did we look at completion percentage? I don't think we did. His completion percentage and his adjusted completion percentage, meaning his raw numbers and removing all the bad excuses, he's dead last in completion percentage for both. 51.4% is the lowest. Again, all rookies. This is crazy. Um, If you go from the worst to the best, it's Justin Fields, 51.4%. Trey Lance, 52.1, Zach Wilson, 57.3, and then Trevor Lawrence, 59.4. The first veteran you get to 
is Jameis Winston, 31st, at 60.3. After that is Davis Mills, another rookie. So Jameis is kind of muddling that whole thing. It is sort of the bottom five out of six are all rookies. They're all just really struggling. But, you know, Fields is the worst. In terms of drop percentage, Justin Fields is actually about the best, only 2.6% of his passes. Um, Only Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott have better receivers. Aaron Rodgers just one spot behind Fields at 2.7%. So not a lot of drops here. Um, Trey Lance right now, 13.8% are drops. Zach Wilson, 13.3% are drops. Looking at time to throw, Justin Fields is the ninth slowest getting the ball out of his hands. Again, the rookie's really struggling with this. Zach Wilson, second slowest at 3.11 seconds. Trey Lance, 3.38 It's just absolutely insane. Finally, uh, passer rating. Justin Fields has the second lowest passer rating, only ahead of Zach Wilson. Um, 64.5 for Justin Fields, 62.9 for Zach Wilson. Um, You have the person in third place, Trevor Lawrence, 71.3. So 64.5 jumps up to 71.3. Just two spots ahead of that is 82.2. So the about half the league has over a hundred. and uh, 31 out of 35 are 80 or higher. Justin Fields is at 64. So I, I saw somebody today, just I mean, just a few minutes ago um, on Twitter, and I did my best to not do anything. I reposted it with just a GIF and didn't really say anything because I don't want to get into an argument again. But he listed the young studs for the Bears, and one of them was Justin Fields. And it's like, oh, come on, man. You're just listing young people. You're not listing young. There's nothing about the guy that's a stud. Nothing. Um, Continuing on, looking at under pressure, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely struggling while under pressure. Providing pressure is going to be pretty important. In fact, while he's kept clean, he actually has an 81 overall grade. Um, he is 58.8% completion percentage for 411 yards. He does have a pick though. Under pressure though, 24.9 overall grade, um, seven completions on 21 attempts, which is 33% for 47 yards, 2.2 yards average, one touchdown, one interception. Justin Fields has the second lowest grade of anybody, um, only ahead of Ben Roethlisberger while under pressure. So he is the second worst quarterback under pressure. Maybe even the the worst part about all this is you kind of expect the guy, you know, again, he didn't grade out very well in the preseason, but it's just the preseason. Uh, week one, he had a 68 overall grade, but he didn't hardly play very much. So whatever, right? Bears fans were mad because he comes in, he completes two passes for 10 yards, and then they pull him. Well, then the next game against Cincinnati, he comes in and he plays 13 snaps uh, I mean, excuse me, 19 snaps, 13 of them were passes. He only completed six for 60 yards and a pick. He got a 51 overall grade. So he's not really getting better. Okay, next game against Cleveland. Well, this was obviously a complete nightmare. This is the game in which the Bears literally completed one passing yard in the game. I mean, in terms of, of net, because they lost a ton of yards. But um, 20 attempts, only six completions, 68 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. 3.4 yards per attempt, 46.8 overall grade. Well, he was under a lot of pressure. Then in Detroit, he completes 64.7% of his passes, 209 yards, no touchdowns and a pick, which isn't great, but hey, 12.3 yards per attempt, which is nearly an NFL, I mean, he looks like an NFL quarterback for once, and a 75 overall grade. He got four big-time throws, only one turnover-worthy play. He seemed fine, like maybe he's turning a corner. Then he goes up against the Raiders, who played like garbage, only completed 12 of 20 passes for 111 yards and a touchdown, 5.6 yards per attempt, 51.3 overall grade. So it's possible he has his big breakout game coming one of these days, and it's possible that happens against the Packers, but he has not had it yet. And just so we're clear, Mitchell Trubisky, in his first couple starts, his grades were 57, 71, 66, 51 slightly better than what we've seen from Justin Fields so far. Every single one of his games that entire season was over 100 passing yards, um, 60% completion rate compared to five, uh, compared to 51%. Uh, Justin Fields, 6.4 yards per attempt. Mitch Trubisky, 6.6. 6. 
Um, one-to-one ratio on touchdowns to interceptions, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. Justin Fields is one touchdown, two interceptions. So, so far, in every way conceivable, Trubisky has been at least slightly better. I know it's still early, but there's been zero reason to get excited so far. Anyways, moving on. Let's move up to their offensive line because this is this was kind of the big point of contention on Twitter today. Um, and the offensive line has done better, largely because of, like I said, the big outlier game against the Raiders where they kind of stepped up and looked pretty good. But at left tackle, you got Jason Peters. Jason Peters was the uh, big name acquisition that they brought in because they were having so many issues along the offensive line. Jason Peters is going to be turning 40 relatively soon. Um, but he's, he still seems to have something left in the tank. Um, as I said, he didn't have the greatest game in the world against the Raiders, but he's kind of been, he's been off and on, right? Here are his passing grades over five weeks, 60, 80, well, almost 90, 60, 80, and then 40. So he had the one bad game. Otherwise, he alternates good, bad, good, bad. And based on that, I mean, you know, he's got a good game coming. He's given up three sacks, two hits, two hurries for a grand total of seven pressures. He has a overall grade of 70.6 pass blocking and a 70 run blocking grade. That's perfectly admirable. Again, the bigger concern is the inconsistency as a pass blocker. He's been pretty consistent as a run blocker. The inconsistency as a pass blocker usually means he's either going to be dominant or terrible. And you kind of just got to hope that you get the best version of him. At left guard, they've got Cody Whitehair. Cody's a guy that uh, they drafted, I think, in the second round. I don't know. This thing won't load. Um, but he, his, his rookie year was real good, and he's seemingly just getting worse pretty much every... Well, that's not true. He, he went down to a 70. He's kind of just leveled off. So far this year, 65.3 overall grade. Again, very inconsistent. He's definitely a much better pass blocker than a run blocker, but it's just, it's very iffy. Let me show you his grades. Against LA, he had a 14 overall grade. He got whooped real bad, probably going up against Aaron Donald. After that was an 85. Against Cleveland, 59. And then against Detroit, 85. Against Las Vegas, 85. So three 85 overall grades, a 60 and a 14. He's given up one sack, zero hits, five hurries, six total pressures. I would say Cody's actually having probably a pretty good year this year. If you look at week three as some kind of a weird anomaly, I guess, and then week one is Aaron Donald, although you shouldn't get beat that bad, but still, it hasn't been too terrible. At center, they've got Sam Mustafer. Sam has got a 46 overall grade, 44 run blocking, 54 pass blocking. It's been not very good. Uh, he's an undrafted free agent in 2019. He first played a little bit in 2020 and now has been getting full-time gig at center, and it's been kind of a nightmare. However, the last two weeks against Detroit and Las Vegas, he really, really stepped up. Here are his pass blocking grades in the five weeks, 42, 47, 44, 82, 82. Now, again, it's, it's, it's a simple question of, did the Bears' offensive line just flip a switch and become elite, or is it possible that Detroit's defensive line is trash and the Raiders' defensive line played like trash? I'll let you fill in the blank. I don't really care. You figure it out. I'm just giving you the information. He's given up one sack, no hits, four hurries, five total pressures on the season. At right guard, they got James Daniels, 60 overall, 60 run blocking, 60, 60 pass blocking, and you guessed it, very inconsistent. His grades, 36, 80, 43, 85, 85. So he's got two really bad games, three really good games. He's given up a sack, a hit, eight hurries, 10 total pressures. Six of those eight hurries, though, came in those two games against L.A. and Cleveland. Now, here's the thing. They both can't be going up against Aaron Donald the whole day. So (laughs) only one of them gets that excuse. And nobody gets excused on five pressures. I don't care if it's Aaron Donald. And then finally, we've got Elijah Wilkerson. He hasn't played very much. He's filling in for Jermaine Effetti who went out, uh, I believe is on IR now. Uh, Elijah Wilkerson graded out his average against LA in week one. Week five, though, he came back out and played really, really well. 81 overall grade, 80 run blocking, 77 pass blocking. Again, is that because LA played like, or uh, LV, I guess, played like garbage? Or because this undrafted free agent from 2017 that's never been good showed up and is now just suddenly dominant? I don't know. doesn't matter. I'll let you fill in the blanks. Point is, They're playing better than you would expect. But overall, what we know about each individual guy is that every single one of them is quite bad, with the exception maybe of Peters. But Peters is going to be 40, and you're starting to see the decline. I don't think these guys are necessarily just going to fall over and let our guys get to the quarterback, but I also don't think this is an elite offensive line that's going to be able to get in the way 
if we decide to play good football. If Kenny is playing with his hair on fire and Rashawn and Preston and the rest of the guys want to bring some pressure and get the job done, we've seen it. Again, Cleveland happened. And it's not because Cleveland is just so good. Cleveland's played a lot of teams. They have not done that to any other team except the Bears. So the opportunities are there. They just got to go get it. This is pretty much a hodgepodge of guys that are not very good at football, and the Packers need to take advantage of it. But again, the offensive line is not just going to roll over. I mean, it's very similar to what the Packers offensive line has done. You look at it and go, it's a hodgepodge of guys that are not good at football, but really they're just, they're getting the job done. It's very similar to what the Bears are doing. But just like I said, the Bears need to do to the Packers, if you want to win, overcome that. You should win. You need to win. Anyways, moving on to the running backs, kind of covered a lot of this already. Um, In terms of snap counts, you've got, um, or I I guess we'll do attempts. David Montgomery has been number one. Uh, He's a good football player, et cetera, et cetera, but he's not there. Uh, Second most rushing attempts is Damian Williams with 32. He is probably not going to be playing. After that, you have Khalil Herbert, uh, 21 attempts so far this year. And then, as I mentioned, uh, they've got Ryan Nall, who is probably going to be playing a significant amount. But uh, what we know about Khalil Herbert is uh, 29 attempts, 82 yards, 3.9 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, zero fumbles, 70 overall grade. Um, Yards uh, per attempt after contact. I never know how to say that. Yards after contact per attempt. There we go. Uh, 2.62, which is less than Damian Williams and David Montgomery. Uh, missed tackles forced is three compared to Williams with six and Montgomery with 15. His longest run so far this year is 11 yards. He has one carry over 10 yards. So there you go, 11 yards. Um, primarily they run zone over there, kind of similar to what most teams do, including the Packers. Uh, he has four first downs. He has a 54 overall receiving grade, which might contribute to why he's not used in that capacity. However, he has Graded out quite well as a pass blocker, 84.2 overall. So there's there's that, I guess. Uh, he has a 37.4 elusiveness grade, which, you know, again, I don't really know how to gauge that, but I know that that's a low number. Damian Williams was 63.2, David Montgomery, 71.9. So, I mean, he was the number three for a reason. And, and again, he's such a small guy. He's one of those, it's kind of like Aaron Jones, I guess, where you don't want to use him a ton. So I don't know what you do, because what you could do is say, well, Ryan Nall's 230-some-odd pounds. You can give it to him 15 times or 16 or 17 or 18 times and then let uh, Khalil Herbert have it like 14 times so that he doesn't get totally gassed out. But you're not going to want to play Nall that many times. And again, you don't want to give uh, Herbert, and, unless you just look at it and say, well, hey, it's it's one game. Let's give him to a, give it to him 25 times, and Damian will be back next week. I don't know. It's a tough predicament to be in. He's a he's a a rookie rookie sixth round pick five nine two hundred twelve pounds and he's the guy that's going to have to be taking the lion's share of what they got going on over there. Uh, looking at the receivers from a target standpoint, Darnell Mooney is the guy, not Allen Robinson. Um, he does have a seventy four overall grade. He's a, he's a good wide receiver. He really is. Um, he is about thirty three percent in the slot, so he's been primarily on the outside, but he does that a good portion. reception percentage, 261 yards, 13.1 yards per reception. He does not have any touchdowns, however, which is not surprising considering there are only two receiving touchdowns uh, on the team. Uh, Yards after the catch per reception, 2.6. Yards per route run, only 1.85. Average depth of target, about 10.6 yards, or actually literally 10.6 yards. His longest is 64 yards, so he does have one big game-breaking thing there. 40%, 50-50 rate, contested catch rate, whatever. Uh, Only a 66.1 passer rating when targeted. So Darnell Mooney is their number one guy right now. It is worth noting, though, that Darnell Mooney is not a consistent, dominant threat every single game. Um, 125 yards of his 261 yards came against Detroit with a 92 overall grade. Um, 66 more yards and a 72 overall grade came against Cincinnati. His other three games uh, against LA, five receptions, 26 yards, 58 overall grade. Against Cleveland, four targets, one reception for nine yards, 58 overall grade. And this past week, five targets, three receptions, 35 yards, 63 overall grade. So it's really been two really good games and not even really good. He has no touchdowns on the season, but Two good games, one very good game, three not super great games. 
I mean, give me any of those three games where we're talking at best three receptions for 35 yards. I don't care. It is also worth noting that Darnell Mooney is hurt right now. He's, as far as I can tell, he's playing. Um, he does have a groin injury and has been limited in practice on Wednesday and Thursday. So again, he should be good to go, but that's not a good thing. After that is Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is also hurt, as I said, and, and likely to play, but who knows? Anything could happen. I mean, it's not impossible that he doesn't play just because he's been able to fight through injuries in the past. But as was stated, he has struggled so far this season. He has caught only 17 receptions of 28 targets, 181 yards, and one touchdown. Um, so far this year, 63 of those yards, the lion's share, 21 yards per reception, uh, came against Detroit, which, you know, again, they just kind of beat up on Detroit. Otherwise, it's been six receptions, 35 yards, two receptions, 24 yards, and a touchdown, um, two receptions on six targets for 27 yards, and four receptions for 32 yards. None of that, with the exception of one touchdown, matters to me. None of it does. And to be completely honest, 63 yards is not even that bad. Three targets, three receptions, 63 yards. I mean, assuming Darnell Mooney doesn't also have a good day, I don't care about that. It's not that bad. I mean, it's, it's okay. That's his best game this year. After that is uh, the tight end Cole Komet, 17 targets, 10 receptions, 81 yards and no touchdowns, 53 overall grade, 25 pass blocking grade, which is really bad. Um, Allen Robinson, by the way, does have two drops. Cole Komet has a drop. And his best game came in week one. Six targets, five receptions, 42 yards. That's the most targets, the most receptions, and the most yards he's seen all year. Um, After that, his best game was against Las Vegas last week. Four targets, two receptions, 22 yards. That's his impact. And again, terrible pass blocker. The next most targeted player is Damian Williams, who is not going to be playing. After that, you have Marquise Goodwin, who has six receptions for 63 yards this entire year. Um, He has, let's see, five targets, one reception for eight yards the last three weeks combined. That's it. That's all he's got. So not really a factor. After that is David Montgomery, who's not playing. After that is Demir Bird, three targets, three receptions, 19 yards on the year. After that, all the way down here, you got Jimmy Graham, two targets, one reception, 11 yards. That came, all of that, week one. Week two against Cincinnati, zero targets, zero reception, zero yards. Week three, zero targets, zero reception, zero yards. Week four, zero targets, zero reception, zero yards. Week five, zero targets, zero reception, zero yards. He did play in all these games. In fact, it appears his snaps have been going up. Um, he has just not been targeted since week one. The only other person to have a single target this year is Jesper Horstead, who is also a tight end. Uh, he played last week, and that was it. It appears he came out for uh, two plays, caught one pass for two yards, and it was a touchdown. So there you go. Guy comes on the field, catches a touchdown, 83 overall grade. He's killing it right now. But in summary, what do they have? Horstead is nothing. Jimmy Graham has done nothing, literally, literally nothing since week one. Demir Bird has done nothing. David Montgomery isn't on the team. Marquise Goodwin has done nothing in at least three weeks. Damian Williams is not playing, seemingly. Cole Komet has done very little. Allen Robinson's best game was like 60-some-odd yards. Darnell Mooney has literally had like one good game and no touchdowns this entire year. Only one of these guys, Allen Robinson, has a touchdown, aside from Jesper Horstead. I don't know. I mean, get nervous if you want. It's about as bad a group as I've ever reviewed. Now, if they all just have a great day, like their best day at the same time, yeah, it's, that sucks, but also not super likely. Keep in mind, they played the Raiders. They played the Lions. They played Cincinnati, who we know does not have a good group of corners. So, I mean, LA and, and uh, Cleveland have some pretty good corners, but, you know, I, I don't know. If you can't get it done against Detroit's corners and Cincinnati's corners and the Raiders' corners, what the heck are you going to do against the Packers' corners? I don't know. Best of luck, though. Anyways, about that time to flip it over to the defense. Um, Looking at, I guess we'll do what we usually do, go from the inside out. Um, Their number one defensive tackle, based on the amount of times that they've played or the amount of snaps they've played, is Bilal Nichols. Bilal Nichols is, what would I compare him to? Kind of like a Dean Lowry, I guess. He's he's fine. 
I mean, there's a big difference between Bears and Packer fans. We look at Dean Lowry, and most Packer fans can't stand him. Bears fans look at Bilal Nichols and think that he's just this elite prospect. Bears, I got to give Bears fans credit, man. They're they're constantly just they believe every single one of those guys is elite. They constantly do. It's it's kind of crazy. I like to call Bears fans trash, but I'm I'm starting to, uh, I mean, you know, maybe not the most rational people in the world, but it's interesting how a team that's always bad has a fan base that thinks that they're really good. Not everybody. I'm sure there's certain guys that they hate. But man, there, there are some scrubs that Bears fans just love. And Bilal's not a scrub, but get the point. Like, decent. Lancaster, Kiki, I don't pick one, it doesn't matter. He's got a 63 overall grade, 74 run defense, 52.8 pass rush, right? He's, he's fine. Lancaster might be a good example because he's a run defender, at least that's what he is right now. But man, I mean, they, they love Justin Fields. Packer fans hate uh, Jordan Love. He might be a great quarterback for the next 10 years. Packer fans hate him. Justin Fields is playing like garbage. Bears fans love him. They think he's the greatest quarterback in, in history of football. They love their corners. They love their offensive line. Maybe not all of them and, you know, whatever. But, I mean, they, they're proud of their offensive line right now. Safeties. Receivers. Darnell Mooney. Even who's the, the guy that's getting bounced around from team to team? The slot guy. Miller or whatever. Oh, they loved him. Loved him. Packer fans, man, we hate everybody. Unless and until you are literally going in the Hall of Fame, we just kind of hate you. And I say we, but you know, the, you know the type. And it's a large group of Packer fans. It's not like I'm just making this up. Bears fans are, are hotheads in sort of a generalized kind of sense, but you break it down like on a player-to-player basis, they really seem to like their team. Anyway, it's just an observation. Uh, Bilal Nichols, and again, this is not necessarily his DNA, so I don't know if it has to stay this way, but his DNA for this year is solid run defender, not a very good pass rusher. He's got one sack on the season so far, eight pressures on 138 attempts. Uh, You're looking for about 14 if you want to get to that 10% mark. He's at eight, so he's really subpar as a pass rusher right now, but 74 overall run defense grade, zero missed tackles, which is always great if you're a defensive tackle. After that, they got a man by the name of Angelo Blackson. Not very familiar with him, but he's been a really bad football player for a very long time. Spent two years in Tennessee, three years at Houston. Uh, Last year, he was with Arizona. Um, To his credit, he is playing better than he has uh, the last two years. He hasn't played this good since 2018, but by this good, I mean 58 overall grade, 54 run defense, 64 pass rush, uh, 30 overall tackling grade. But um, 11 pressures on 102 attempts, so he's over the 10% mark. He's got one sack. Um, if Akeem plays, his numbers will dip. If Akeem doesn't, he's going to be the number two guy. Speaking of Akeem, um, he got hurt against Detroit, only played one snap, did not play against the Raiders, may not play in this game, but he's off to a bit of a slow start this entire season. He's got a 66 overall grade. There's 180 against Cincinnati. Otherwise, his grades have been 54, 59, 57. He's got seven pressures on 78 attempts, so he's below 10%, which is not what you want from a guy that you can consider to be a premier player. Um, he is going on 32 years old, though, so that those things tend to happen. I know it's kind of an unfair stat because he's been injured basically the last two weeks, but he has not had a double-digit sack game since week two. He hasn't had a or a double-digit pressure game, three pressures, since week two. He has not had a sack since week one. With all that said, he has a higher pass rush grade than run defense grade, so his run defense is even worse. By the way, they have a million defensive tackles that they just rotate constantly. Uh, Mario Edwards played week three, four, and five, um, 46 overall grade. It's pretty low for him, but it is what it is. Uh, After that is Eddie Goldman, who has only played weeks four and five. He must have been injured those first three weeks. Um, off to a terrible start. I guess having all that time off has been pretty rough. He had a 30 overall grade his first game back in week four, 56 overall grade week five, 19 is his tackling grade. Uh, He has two pressures on 41 attempts. So we're looking at like, you know, 5%, which is really, really bad. I know he's mostly a run defender, but he has a 42 run defense grade. So that's not good either. So he's been struggling. After that, they got Chris Tonga, another big run defender guy, 42 overall grade, 51 run defense, another guy that can't tackle. I don't understand what's going on, but I think we need to attack running the ball and see if we can just break some tackles, especially with A.J. Dillon. If, they're, if, if, if they just can't bring guys down, just keep those legs churning and see what you can do because this is kind of crazy, the amount of missed tackles that they've got. Um, 
Chris Tonga has six tackles, three missed tackles. That's not uh, not ideal. He has one pressure on 23 attempts, another guy that's not at 10%. Marcus Hunt, who you've probably seen, been on a lot of different teams, four years at Cincinnati, three years at Indy. Uh, and then he spent uh, half a year at New Orleans, half a year at Cincinnati, and now he's with Chicago. Uh, he has two pressures on two attempts, <laughs> I guess. That's that's shocking. Uh, yeah, he's only been put out there twice to rush the passer, and he got pressures both times. That's quite impressive. But uh, 71.7 overall grade, he hasn't played very much. Uh, and then finally, Damian Squire is also a guy. He's a longtime charger, never been a very good football player. 32 going on 33. Played five snaps in week one, got a 44 overall grade. Probably won't see him very much, if at all. Probably just won't see him at all. So again, kind of in summary of the defensive line, um, not much. I mean, Bilal Nichols is a run defender. None of them have done a good job rushing the passer on the interior. Again, Blackson does have a, a decent pass rush rate, 11 on 102 attempts, but only a 64 overall grade, so he's not doing all that well. So uh, kind of struggling there. And again, the missed tackles are pretty wild. Bilal Nichols does a good job, but uh, 30 overall grade for Blackson, uh, 54 tackling grade for Akeem Hicks, uh, 19 for Eddie Goldman, 26 for Chris Tonga, and uh, that's about it. Damian Squire doesn't have any tackles, so we can't look at that. Um, off the edge, which is what most people are concerned about, Robert Quinn has had the most snaps. After that is Khalil Mack. Kind of talked about this a little bit before. Um, they basically had four guys. One of them is not playing, so they're down to three, very similar to what the Packers have, which is going to mean that they have... Um, less people that are that are going to be able to play. Well, now I'm tripping out because I can't find that information anywhere. Did I just make that up in my brain? No, it says right here, Chicago Bears, official roster moves, move to IR. Don't mess with me. I can't find that anywhere. Anyways, now that we got that all squared away, um, that leaves uh, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and Travis Gibson as the three pass rushers. Um, doing a pretty good job. Robert Quinn is actually exceeding Anything he's done since 2015 with L.A. Definitely think there's a good chance he's about to fall off. In fact, a lot of what his grade is is based on what he did against Detroit, which is Detroit. But he also had a pretty good game against Cleveland. He had six pressures against Cleveland, five pressures against Detroit, which account for uh, 11 of his 15 total pressures on the season. He had zero against Las Vegas, though, to give you some perspective on that. Um, 73 pass rush grade, 71 run defense. 15 pressures on 130 attempts is solid, but again, not really sure how much of a grain of salt you want to put on that. Um, I suppose he is about a, a slightly above 10% kind of guy, so that's that's maybe fair, I guess. Last year with the Bears, though, he had 33 pressures on 374 attempts, which obviously is lower. But um, he's had two big games, three, I guess, not super stellar games. Uh, run defense, though, again, 71.2, so he's got that going for him, which has been pretty consistent. It's just the pass rush that's kind of iffy. Khalil Mack uh, got off to a real slow start in terms of his grades, 61, 66, 67, 56. Last week, though, 86 overall, and that was across the board. Uh, 73 run defense, 76 tackling, 73 pass rush, 79 coverage. Um, his pressures, 17 out of 121, which is very Khalil Mackish. He's always above 10%. Even last year when he was seen as having kind of slowed down or whatever the case may be, technically, statistically, 59 on 531 attempts is not super stellar, but he still had a 90.8 pass rush grade. Khalil Mack is still still a monster. He maybe isn't exactly, you know, 2016, 2017 Raiders Khalil Mack, but he's still very good. The only uh, slightly concerning thing, I guess, for the Bears is the fact that his run defense has been so poor this year. Um, 63, 64, 48, 64, and then last week was 73 overall. His grade is a 64.7. His lowest grade ever, aside from this year, was an 83.5. He's pretty consistently been in the 90s, so I don't know exactly what the deal is with that, but he hasn't been super stellar. Pair that with everything I just said about all these other defensive players and pieces and whatever struggling to make tackles and stop the run. And remember, it's a new defensive coordinator, so they are being asked to do different things. It's entirely possible that it's different emphasis, whatever. I don't know why, but he just isn't as effective 
against the run so far this year. He has seven tackles and two missed tackles, which just doesn't feel very Khalil Mackish. To be clear, for the entire season last year, he had four missed tackles. He has two already so far this year. Um, so, And then for Gibson, who's going to be the rotational guy, he has eight pressures on 34 attempts, which is obviously well above the uh, 10% threshold. He kind of just fits with everybody else. He's not very good against the run. He struggles to tackle, but he seems to be pretty scary off the edge so far in his limited sample size. Um, at linebacker, you got Roquan, who's uh, he and Eddie Jackson are the only two to play every snap so far. He does have a 50 overall grade. This is what a lot of the contention was about for Roquan. You say whatever you want. I don't really care. He's, he's super dominant, whatever you want to say. I'm just, I'm just reading it, man. 50 overall grade, 46.4 run defense, 64 pass rush, 56 coverage. And you can take the stats and make them look positive. You can take the stats and make it look negative. Whatever you want to do. Make up your own mind. Go ahead and watch him. Um, after that is Alec Ogletree, 29.9 overall grade, 44.7 run defense, 29.7 uh, coverage. And then all the way down here, you got Christian Jones and Mr. Danny Trevathan. Uh, Danny Trevathan has only played one game, and that was last week. I'm assuming we're going to be seeing more of Danny Trevathan. Every time I see a picture of Danny Trevathan, I swear he is, he is twins with Rashawn Gary. It freaks me out at least like a very close older brother. But uh, Danny Trevathan didn't quite play that well, 43 overall grade. Christian Jones, 47 overall grade. Again, I don't know what else to give you. I can give you tackle numbers if you actually care about that, but you shouldn't because it's a stupid statistic. And I don't even know what would be considered good after five weeks and what isn't. Um, Roquan is a good tackler. It's one of the things one of the guys wanted to bring up on Twitter. He has a good tackling grade, so that's not even in dispute. But uh, statistically, Roquan has given up 18 receptions on 25 targets for 176 yards. He has not given up any touchdowns, does have a pick and one pass breakup. All that is great. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't even quite get up to the ranks of where our guys are at. So, I mean, if, if it's the statistics that make you elite, then the Packers have like three elite linebackers right now. So, again, make up your own mind. And then finally, at cornerback, uh, again, looking at the snap counts, Jalen Johnson is a guy that Bears fans are actually very excited about, and he is having a very good year. 74 overall grade, uh, solid run defense, solid tackling, solid coverage. Um, only nine receptions on 23 targets, 39%. 137 yards, giving up no touchdowns. He has one interception and four pass breakups, 41.4 coverage grade, or excuse me, passer rating when targeted. Obviously, he's going to have his biggest test so far this year, but uh, Jalen Johnson who the Bears picked in, was it second? Yeah, second round last year um, has had a pretty decent year. Now, to be noted, his 74 overall grade is grade so far this season in order, 78, 92, 56, 63, 49. So he had two really big weeks, and it hasn't been quite as good since. Um, even statistically, if you look at it, pushing wrong buttons here, um, if you look at statistically, week two against Cincinnati was his, his real big game. Seven targets, two receptions, nine yards, no touchdowns, a pick, and two pass breakups. So outside of that, he has no interceptions and two pass breakups on the season. But still, he's not getting killed by anybody. I mean, 57 yards is the most he's given up. That was against Cleveland. Five targets, three receptions, 57 yards, and a pass breakup. If that's his worst game, he's a good corner. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, second most... Uh, snaps is Kindle Vildor. I don't know. Is that going to be their guy? Let me look at his weeks real quick here. Um, it appears that is. I'm kind of surprised by that, but Kindle Vildor, second most snaps, 53 overall grade, uh, just not stellar at all. Uh, 13 receptions on 19 targets for 191 yards. He's given up two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a pass breakup. 136.1 passer rating when targeted, so not good. And then after that, Duke Shelley is uh, their slot guy, 2019 six-round pick, 50 overall grade, 54 coverage grade, uh, 19 receptions on 25 targets, 202 yards given up, which is a lot. He's only played four games, 202 yards in four games, uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions, one pass breakup, 99.1 passer rating when targeted. So they've got one corner that's pretty promising that's going to go up against the best wide receiver in football. The other two corners are kind of bad. Finally, at safety, Eddie Jackson, one of the more overrated players in all of football, 50.8 overall grade, 
Uh, via PFF, he's had one good game this entire year. That was against Cincinnati, 72 overall. Otherwise, 52, 48, 49, and 51 are his grades. For, for the record, I'm leaning on the grades because some of these stats are just, they're kind of useless. And, and so it, it kind of comes down to useless stats, PFF grades, or go watch the film. Those are my options. And um, so I'm, I'm leaning on that a little bit. But statistically, 17 tackles. He's got four missed tackles, 17.4% miss rate. Um, as far as his uh, targets, nine receptions on 12 targets, 162 yards. He's given up two touchdowns, doesn't have any interceptions or pass breakups. A 156.3 passer rating when targeted. So um, it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, again, he's a one-trick pony. He got paid massive amounts of money because he was the number one safety in football in 2018, largely because he had six interceptions and eight pass breakups. But after that 93 overall grade, he immediately dropped to a 67. 2020, it was a 59. And right now it's a 50. That is such a drastic every single time. I mean, you're talking a, what, 25-point drop. Then it's a, what, uh, 8-point drop. And then after that, it's a 10-point drop. That's crazy. I mean, the season isn't over. But, I mean, his one good game against Cincinnati uh, what did he do? He just zero targets, zero receptions. That's why. I mean, it's just nothing happened. He didn't get targeted once. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, not fantastic. Uh, after that is Dion Bush. He's got a 58.8 overall grade. Again, the tackling is really bad. 33.7 overall tackling grade. He's got 13 tackles, five missed tackles, um, on the season so far, eight receptions on 10 targets, which is 80% for 99 yards, no touchdowns, interceptions, or pass breakups. He did have his first good game against Las Vegas, 82 overall. Otherwise, 49, 61, and 60 have been his grades so far. Um, the only other safety to do anything, 62 so total snaps so far, DeAndre Houston Carson. Um, he was graded out really, really well. I mentioned that last week that he was one of the guys that graded out extremely well in this game, 94.4 overall grade. However, again, he's the number three safety. So he just came in once in a while. He played 17 snaps in that game, but his other grades, 63, 39, 65, and 59. Um, he's been targeted four times. All four of them were caught for 29 yards. Um, he's got zero touchdowns. He does have a pick that was obviously in that game against the Raiders, and zero pass breakups, 57.3 passer rating when targeted. Again, sounds real good, but it's uh, obviously overinflated because he hasn't hardly played and had one really good game. So obviously my biggest issue is, is how to reconcile the bad grades and the good defensive play. And, and the one thing that comes immediately to mind is you've got a, a bunch of defensive tackles that, not a, not a bunch, but they can play the run. And you've got pass rushers that can get to the quarterback one of them being a premier pass rusher in Khalil Mack. And that can do a lot of things. If you struggle to run the ball and you struggle to pass the ball because you've got guys in your face, that's going to help. And it's going to make your corners look a lot better than they are. It's going to make the safeties look a lot better than they are. For example, why on earth would a wide receiver be open down the field? In other words, a corner did a bad job covering and the quarterback didn't throw to him. Well, if he's under duress and is running for his life, he might not throw to him. That would be a situation where statistically, your corner did a good job. Statistically, the pass rusher did a good job, but the corner would get a bad grade. So people look at the stats and they go, well, that doesn't make any sense. He was only targeted two times in that game, blah, 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 whatever, right? Maybe that has something to do with it. And so like all things, I tend to think that this comes down largely to the trenches. And our offensive line does need to do better. Again, hopefully Josh Myers does do a little bit of a better job isn't a ton of precedent for that. Uh, Lucas Patrick came in for that uh, for those two games. He has a slightly worse run blocking grade, but basically the same 54 compared to 57. However, Lucas Patrick actually graded out better as a pass blocker, 71 uh, overall grade compared to 67. The biggest difference, though, is going to be Elton Jenkins compared to Yash Nyman. Elton Jenkins with a 75 overall grade, Yash with a 57 overall grade. Um, so that's that's obviously where you're going to make the biggest difference, including, again, against the run, 57 compared to 70, pass blocking 66 compared to 75. So I don't know where everybody's going to play. I would assume you put your best left tackle at left tackle because that's the most important position we have probably outside of quarterback. But again, we can talk about all that stuff tomorrow. Again, that's that's sort of the overview. They do have some scary components on defense. 
the biggest thing that the Packers are going to need to do is be able to overcome the defense and score points. I'm not concerned that their offense is going to run up a bunch of points. So there's basically a line that I'll draw. And I'll, I'll say if the Packers get over 20, it's pretty much a done deal. It may not even need to get to 20, but let's just say 20. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just got back from puppy class, so I want to talk Packers now. <laughs> that's not true. I did a Bears interview, and, and then I... Anyways. But, but that's, that, that's the thing. They need to be able to beat the Bears' defense, and if they can do that, if they can move the ball, I'm good. We're good. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.